0: Those of us who have graduated might remember crossing the stage, receiving that diploma, and suddenly walking into a big, scary adult world. Dr. Ron Taylor experienced the very same thing. But when Dr. Taylor graduated, he and others who were drafted into the Vietnam War were quite literally sent to another world.
1: We flew in a helicopter all the way from our base camp. I was in the 1st Infantry Division. Okay. And we, f- we flew in a helicopter to Saigon.
0: The Vietnam War was perhaps the most traumatic war the United States had ever experienced. The U.S. televised it as part of a worldwide struggle between communism and democracy. But there was an element of chaos in this jungle war. It's estimated that one out of three Vietnam veterans came home with PTSD. But Dr. Taylor had a bride waiting for him at home. After exchanging love letters with a beautiful church secretary in his home state of Texas, he married her a week before leaving for Vietnam.
1: Because my classification was combat instrument, and Vietnam had gotten 1967, Vietnam had gotten horribly bad, and and I was just really fearful, and and in my mind I wasn't coming home mm. from from that.
0: Today on Kava, we learn the secret that got Dr. Taylor through that war. So what was your role in Vietnam?
1: Well, I started out as an infantryman. Okay. But because I had a little education, okay, uh, they put me in the finance department. Oh, okay. And so I was removed from the battlefield. Although we we did have some instances where we were in combat. Okay. And uh, in fact, during the Tet Offensive, which is probably the most famous battle, uh, I was awarded the Bronze Star. Oh, wow. For, for something over there.
0: Okay. So we did
1: see some combat, but on a day to day basis, I was in the finance office paying okay. the troops.
0: Okay. And so what is a bronze star? What does that mean?
1: Well, you have classifications of, of awards that are that are for, I guess you would say, bravery under fire. Okay. Or action under fire. And so bronze star is kind of the lowest level of that. Okay. And I think anybody in my group could have won it, because we all did the same thing, but they gave it to me. Okay. I
0: don't
1: really know why. Uh the next level is Silver Star, which okay. you got to do something really outstanding okay. in the middle of autumn. Okay. But mine was a bronze star, and I'm, okay. I'm proud of that. I, wanted, yes. I, I have that on my license tag. A oh, that's of awesome. It. That's uh, neat. So, you know, that's pretty special to me. Right. It was a, it was a hard, tough night uh, for, to go through. Right. And I wouldn't want to do it again.
0: No. But— uh, So, were you scared going through that? Yes. The average age of an American soldier in the Vietnam War was 23 years old. These were just kids, and they were scared. But Dr. Taylor had a secret that he held on to.
1: And one Sunday morning, just before I left, I got a call from my grandmother in Wiley, Grandma Mm -hmm. Taylor, who had to walk to town to to get a phone she could use. Mm. And she, she called me that Sunday morning before we went to church and said, Ronald Roy, I've been, I've been praying all night about you. And she said, God told me this morning that you were gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I never got a scratch in Vietnam. Wow. I was totally okay. Wow. And uh, unfortunately she died and I never saw her again. Uh, I found out about her death about a month after Uh, She died in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, So that was a a sad time, but I've never forgotten that phone call because I became unafraid. Mm. Because I knew my grandma had a a connection. Yes. Uh, She was connected to the Lord, for sure.
0: The answered prayers of a faithful woman of God. It was Dr. Taylor's secret weapon. Throughout the war, it was like Dr. Taylor had a protective shield around him. You know that your grandmother had already prayed you up.
1: We used to get have rockets shot at us and mortars shot at us in the night, uh, usually about two or three o'clock in the morning. And we'd jump up and run to our uh, our bunker, which was right outside the hooch, is what we called what we lived in. And I would uh, I would we would run to that to that uh, bunker uh-huh. until the shelling was over to the rockets and the mortars stopped. And I remember the first night that we had rockets, we'd had mortars, but rockets is a whole different deal. They're mm. far more explosive. And I was laying in my bunk and my eyes popped open and it was quiet. Then all of a sudden, I, I don't know if I heard something or what, But I said, there are rockets coming for us. Oh, wow. I probably heard a sound, but I yelled that. There are rockets coming. And so we all jumped and ran to the bunker. And I got there, and I thought, you know, I think that was Grandma. Wow.
0: (laughs) Wow. But
1: that's just in my my mind that I imagined that that was, but it could have been. You had a nudge. But anyway, we got in that bunker, and we had to stay forever. Mm. And then it, it got quiet, so we, we kind of crept out of the bunker and were sitting on the door to it. You walked down and we right. sitting on the doorframe. And all of a sudden, another mortar came, and we just dived back into that thing. And we were sitting there, and I was sitting next to a great big guy who played football at Syracuse University.
0: Okay. And he
1: was outspoken in his anti-Christian beliefs. And... Uh, I went to chapel when I was there, and, you know, I read my Bible, and we were sitting in that dark bunker, and he elbowed me and said, can you tell me a little bit more about your faith? Oh, wow. And so he came to know the Lord that night before he was over in that bunker. That's amazing. So I think my faith was showing through Mm. as an adult then. Wow. An early an early kind of an early sign of what was gonna right. happen to me for the rest of my life. Wow.
0: So did that increase your faith?
1: Yes. That experience. It had to. It mm-hmm. had to. Right. Yes, it did. And to, to come home from that with the the only scratch that I got is the night we jumped and ran because I, I knew there were rockets coming. Mm-hmm. I fell down Mm -hmm. and nearly got trampled by my own guy going out the door. Oh, no. And skinned my knee. Okay. That was my injury. Wow. Uh, In Vietnam. But, yeah, it increased my faith a lot. Uh, It it made it stronger. Mm -hmm. Uh, It made it deeper. Uh, And I knew that God was there for me Mm. when I came home. My church prayed for me. Mm. I mean, every Wednesday night, people would write cards to me. Oh, uh, and and I'd get them like two weeks after they were written, but right. I got them every week after that.
0: Wow! But they would
1: write these notes saying we're praying for you and
0: that's awesome. Those
1: kinds of things. And was
0: that so encouraging? Oh yeah,
1: big big time. I loved getting those. I looked forward to getting yes. those. Uh, the pastor sent me notes and letters, and uh, so that was very encouraging. And uh, when I came home, my my love for for the Lord and for that church. Yes. And we stayed in that church for 35 years.
0: So how long were you in Vietnam?
1: A year. Exactly one year. one
0: year. Okay.
1: The Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese had tunneled under the city and they'd come up inside the city. And the big air base there was Tom Snoot Air Force Base and they'd, they'd come out of tunnels uh, in that wow. air force base. And those airmen weren't prepared to fight against that. So they sent us in Wow. Uh, to do that and, and and also take money there, to keep to keep it falling in the Vietnamese hands, so wow. so that's that's what it was all about.
0: That is beyond me. I can't imagine what all of that was like.
1: Well, you know, after it was over, it was over, and I didn't right. I didn't linger on it at oh, all. Good. Uh, by that time, I'd become a. a, a Sergeant, a book, book sergeant. And uh, I've been there a while, so I have uh-huh. experienced. Okay. Um, when I went through that.
0: Not being able to predict where the enemy would come from left many American soldiers paranoid for life. During the war, there was no telling when you would come under fire or be suddenly ambushed by North Vietnamese troops. A year in that environment was plenty of time for Dr. Taylor.
1: Uh, I came came home uh, and flew into Oakland uh, Oakland Air Base, Air Terminal which is an Air Force base. Okay. And uh, they took us in, and they, they fed us steak and mashed potatoes mm. uh, and ice cream. Mm. And then they took us all and measured us for brand-new suits because it was winter. Okay. And we didn't have any winter uniforms, so they measured us for brand-new suits, outfits, uniforms. Uh-huh. But I was going home and out of the Army. Okay. So I, that's still that's hanging in that closet. Oh, right wow. Uh, but when I before I left, they called me into a room and said, we'll give you $25,000 to go back. Oh. I laughed. No, thank you. Although $25,000 was right. a lot of money. Right. Time. No, thank you. And then I went to uh, San Francisco International Airport to get mm-hmm. on a plane to come home and be, be out of the Army.
0: Dr. Taylor expected to be welcomed home as a hero like his World War II veteran father before him. To his shock, many Americans had a very different opinion of this new war.
1: My great memory of that is being called names and spit at.
0: In oh, uniform whoa.
1: During that, during that turbulent time of the 60s and all the war protests were going on, uh, and I, I came home and uh, Face that till I got on the plane.
0: So, were you aware that that was going on?
1: Vaguely. Okay, but before that... I got there, I was vaguely aware. Okay. Uh, that it was going on, not in any uh, detail, but uh-huh. we got snippets of that on Armed Forces Radio. Okay. Um, but we didn't have any any news outlets other than Armed Forces. Uh-huh. They shielded us from a lot while we were over there.
0: The Vietnam War was the first televised war in the United States. It was called the Living Room War because every common citizen had access to news reports from the battlefield in Vietnam. Confusion over why America was involved in this war, combined with graphic depictions of violence and death, left many American citizens displeased with their government. They unfortunately took this out on the soldiers who fought the war many of whom were drafted without a choice. Ironically, these soldiers had gone a year without any news reports of their own. No one had warned them about what life was like back home. So you came from San Francisco to Dallas. Love Field. Yeah. To Love Field. And I guess your bride was home. My
1: bride picked me up. <laughs> my bride and her brother took me to the airport when I was okay. going. And it was sleeting.
0: Oh, wow.
1: October the 30th or something like that. It was sleeting. Oh, my goodness. And they drove me to the airport. And then she picked me up on November the 1st when I got, got home.
0: Wow. That was like yeah. to, to the yep. date, yeah, a yeah, year. It,
1: was. it That's- really was. Wow! Um, and they, she had not long before I got home. She lived with her mother and dad that uh-huh. year, but not long before I came home, she uh, got a an apartment. Okay. Uh, in South Garland. Okay. And we moved into that apartment, and uh, I got my first home cook cook meal in oh. a year. And oh! It was very, very special.
0: That's sweet. I bet that was a sweet reunion, right?
1: It was a sweet reunion. (laughs) It
0: was. So what did you do after uh, Vietnam?
1: I came back and immediately immersed myself in school. Okay. And East Texas State. Okay. Uh, Worked full-time for the whole time I went to school. I mean, I never worked part-time. I worked full-time. Wow. Sometimes that meant working Saturday and Sunday and all the holidays, but— But I I had, uh, you know, we were married and had to pay rent and those kind of things. But I went to school uh, and uh, stayed at East Texas State uh, until I got my bachelor's. Okay. And then started teaching school immediately. Okay. And then went, went back to East Texas State while I was teaching, while I was working, and got my master's degree. Okay. And it's at East Texas State after that. And I was already a principal then. I got okay. my, my doctor's degree. Okay. So that was right after, uh, start, it started right, right after I came home. didn't end for a long time.
0: Right. And, I know that uh, you had two little girls, right? Two
1: little girls. Uh, you know, Liz and I sometimes wish we'd have uh, had, had another one. I had a little boy. Uh-huh. But in some respects, I'm glad we didn't have a little boy because I think I would have been a... Uh, coach for him when he <laughs> what do they call it uh anyway i would have been right uh, pushed him i would have pushed him to much right. i think in sports right and so with little girls who both played sports okay i didn't do that you know i was just a fan with him.
0: oh that's sweet
1: and, uh, but my my girls you know praise the lord were always good. Mm-hmm. They never once got into trouble in school. Now, they got in trouble at home though. Right, right. they never got in trouble at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah was, I guess her teachers would say, she was the perfect student.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that. <laughs> she,
1: she was used to tutor in her classes sometimes. Oh, wow. Because she was ahead of where a lot of them were. Wow. But she was just a hard worker and she was smart. Amy was smart, but she wasn't a hard worker. <laughs> she had too much fun playing. Yes. Uh, she, she made it through all right. Right. She, had, she probably had more fun than Sarah did. Yes. But I, I remember one time we were at Open House when, when Amy was in the second grade, uh-huh. and I was a principal at, fair, at a neighboring school. Okay. And we walked in, and we asked the teacher. I said, okay, I don't hear from you about Amy. And I know Amy. How is she really doing?
0: Well, that's funny.
1: And she's—they said, "Well, she talks too much. She's out of the chair too much, uh, <laughs> and just talks all the time." And I said, "Why didn't you call me and tell me? I would—I would help you with that." Uh-huh. And they said, "Well, we thought we thought you wouldn't want to hear that being a principal." Oh I said, wow! No, I want to hear that every time, <laughs> every single time. Oh
0: how funny!
1: So. Amy. Amy had a lot of talents, and she's a absolutely marvelous Bible teacher today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in school, she had lots of fun. But she never got in trouble. I mean, she got in trouble in the classroom right, for talking. Right.
0: Auburn, right.
1: But she never got in. And people ask me, and I think they ask Liz, you know, what did you do to make your kids turn out the way they did? Mm. And I have to say, I don't know. Wow. I don't really know, other than we were faithful. Mm. You know, we we were faithful in growing them up uh, in the church, but beyond that, when we came home with them, we were also faithful. Because mm. a lot of times, you know, the the Bible says, "Train up a child in the way he will go," uh-huh. but you got to live that, not just take them to Sunday school, but you got to live that at home. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't be two faced about it, mm-hmm. which is a lot of times the case, right? But I I think that probably would be my answer to, what did you do? Right. Uh, But to be honest, my first answer is the right one. I don't really know. (laughs) uh, You got
0: good kids, and, and you did things right. I think they had
1: a great mother.
0: Dr. Taylor took his grandmother's prayer to heart, even after returning home, and didn't take his life for granted. After surviving such trauma and hardship, he put his mind to work and continued his education so that he could use his heart to comfort others.
1: When I was in school, okay, junior high school, uh, I always had a passion for history. Okay, even starting in like the fourth grade, as soon as I could read well, I'd go to the library and check out biographies. Okay, I read every biography that I could get my hands Mm -hmm. on. I think I wrote. I read every single one mm-hmm. uh, that the Garland Public Library had. Wow. And that passion for history was always, it's there today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I, and I read a lot. Uh, and I read mostly biographies or history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was in the eighth grade, mm-hmm. my teacher was Mrs. Wolf And, you know, you hear of Spelling Bee, Right. But she had history bees. Oh, neat. She was playing into my wheelhouse.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: and so, every, about every Friday, maybe every other Friday, we would have a, a history bee. Okay. Girls would line up on one side and the boys would line up on the other and would compete against each other. Uh-huh. And she would ask history questions. Well, unlike any other subject in school, I could answer nearly any questions she had. Oh, that's asked. awesome. Uh, and so the boys would win every, every week <laughs> uh, because I probably had read a biography about whoever she was talking about. Uh, and so one day, uh, after that had gone on for a long time, she said to me, uh, I think you're going to make a great history teacher. Oh,
0: wow. And
1: from that encouraged me so much. I never have forgotten that. And that really contributed to my being a teacher because I always from that point on wow. I want to be a school teacher I want to teach history wow now, unfortunately for me I didn't teach history very long because I right. got into principalships and so forth uh, but that inspired me to, mm. to do well and uh, in history I always did well I'd make an A in history and a right. B, B minus or C plus and everything else. <laughs> uh, but I was inspired with that I was also inspired by the this is getting off subject a little bit I was inspired by the fact that when I went into the army prior prior to going into the army i was a i was other than history I was a bad student mm. I was a really bad student and nobody in my my family had ever graduated from uh college mm-hmm. ever and only one or two wow. had graduated from high school and wow. a lot of times in the farming farming era that we lived in uh-huh boys went to the fields to work Right, girls did too a lot of mm. uh, but prior to going to the army I was a poor student and I, I developed the feeling uh, that I'm not smart enough to do well in school mm. so I went in the army and they made it so uncomfortable when you didn't do what they asked you to do Right. Uh, that I began to do things and one day I looked around and I said, I'm as smart as anybody in this room. I can do this stuff as quick as any of them that we had to do. Wow! The classroom kind of stuff. Right. Uh, I I can I can do as much as anybody in here. So I began to change my perception of yes. of myself. Uh, and when I came back from Vietnam and went back to school, I never made another. I made A's and B's right on straight wow. through my doctor my doctorate um, because of that feeling that wow. I knew this. I'm smart enough to do this. Uh, and so uh, that changed my life, really. Yeah. So going into the Army was a blessing for me. Yes. Uh, even what I had to endure in Vietnam, it was a blessing to me.
0: Isn't it amazing? Like when you were a little boy, would you have imagined that you would have a doctorate? Hmm.
1: Never. Never.
0: Like your life has been more... Than what you could have imagined as have a child. Been,
1: I couldn't even imagine going to college and graduating.
0: Wow! But
1: the doctorate and and I I was working. I was already a principal in Garland when I really really got started on my doctorate. So it was it was tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would go I would go to East Texas State after work and mm-hmm. stay there at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Uh, wow! Doing stuff uh, on my doctorate. Fortunately, I had a couple of other Garland principals who were doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, those two, now has a building in Garland named after him.
0: Oh wow! And
1: the other one has a building building in Katy oh, okay. a school building. Okay, named after him. So wow. they were they were successful, but we did all that together. One one night, we had to finish this computer program before we left. Mm-hmm. And one of the three of us was a uh, I, I was that way, too, but I finished mine. Uh-huh. But a third guy just couldn't get the computer. Oh, program. wow. <laughs> and so we just hung around the building until about 3 in the morning. But not one of the three even ordered pizza in.
0: Oh, wow.
1: We were in the business education building at East Texas State, and we ordered pizza in, met them at the door. But not one of the three of us highly educated guys thought that we might not have called our wives
0: and
1: <gasps> <laughs> tell them. We're going to be there late. None oh, of us did. Oh,
0: my goodness.
1: So finally, when we left there about 3 in the morning, and we drove and we got to the first guy's house, and his wife was sitting in their picture window. Right. Watching. Uh, and, and I got home finally, and Liz was up, and she said, we've had the highway patrol looking for y'all. We oh, my We thought y'all goodness. had to have been in a wreck. So we called the highway patrol.
0: Oh my goodness! So that
1: wasn't a smart. That wasn't my best moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my
1: goodness! For sure.
0: Yeah, but, uh, that is funny. I get that. <laughs> I would have been scared to death. So what school? Uh, so you, so you graduated and then you started teaching. Where did you teach initially?
1: I, I taught at Bussey Middle high, Junior. High. We didn't have okay. middle school then. Okay. Taught at Bussy Junior High School which was really the old Garland Junior High that I went to when it oh, went, and moved it uh-huh. to a new campus and renamed it Bussey instead of Garland Junior High, Bussey. Okay, So I taught there. Okay. I taught ninth grade world history. Okay. Uh, did that for for only about three years before I became an assistant principal okay. in Garland.
0: Was it at that same campus? No, it
1: okay. it wasn't. It was at uh, but, uh, Sellers Middle School, Okay, which was a fairly new middle school in Garland. Okay. And the principal was a friend from church. Oh, nice. And uh, we, were, we were a great team. I yeah. Loved working for him. But it was it was even there. Stayed there for three years, and then walked into an elementary school as principal. The first time I'd been in an elementary school since I was an elementary student. My my experience was all ways high school kids and middle school kids. Uh, became principal okay. of Hillside Elementary School uh, in Garland, Dairy and, and Miller there. Okay. And it, at the time I went, it was 99% minority. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved that school. Those those kids were so appreciative of whatever we did for them. Mm-hmm. And the first day I went to the day I left, I told them they were the best school in Garland. Oh. And And they... They, the kids were just were great. Mm. And the parents, you know, sometimes you, you have problems when you're not of the same race as all the kids in your school. But the parents were so supportive of me. That's uh, awesome. That it was just probably, probably, I'd have to say that was my, my most fun or happy uh, three years in education. Wow. So That's then cool. I, uh, I left there and became principal at Total Elementary School in okay. South Garland, which was one of, one of Garland's newer schools at the time. Stayed there only two years, one year, two years, uh, and left there to go to First Baptist Academy in downtown Dallas. Oh, okay. And spent four years there. Okay. And then came back to Tallahassee for the rest of my rest okay. of my career. Uh, I, I was principal. We well, came back as principal at Spring Creek Elementary School. Okay. Uh, and after three, four, four years there, I became director. Director of elementary schools for Garland.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: my last 16 years, we're doing that.
0: Okay. We're
1: based on supervised principals. And okay. We saw what what they did. Uh, one of my great great honors in life, really, was my last year as a principal. My very last year, uh, I was named the GISD Garland ISD Principal of the Year.
0: Oh wow! Uh, and so that's, that's awesome.
1: That, that meant a ton to me. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I think, you know, we had a lot of success. Schools did well. Mm-hmm. I think, though, it's probably because the teachers and administration, when I first became a principal, knew about my faith. Mm-hmm. And they knew it was important to me. They knew that I was almost by location at my church. Uh, and so I attracted teachers Mm. who were also uh, lived the faith mm. and such a great wonderful Christian teacher in a public school setting right. and it, it was just wonderful and I guess the thing that I think made me most successful other than my faith was the fact that certainly I loved kids but I loved teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a passion for teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought that if I take care of them and lead them properly, yes. that I had to be successful and, and we were.
0: Absolutely. And I,
1: and I tr- did that all the way and continued to do that at Heritage. Right. Uh, but when I when I began to supervise principals, I did the same thing with principals. Right. But I always kept missing teachers. Missed mm-hmm. being around teachers and knowing them and Mm-hmm. And their families mm-hmm. uh, was, was very important to me. They're good people. Good, good people. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we all of us lived our faith, but in school, we'd be very careful what we said. Right. And they were. I never right. had an incident where a parent came and said, "Well, they just did this or that." Right. And we're wow. Catholic or we're whatever. Right. Uh, and and never because they were careful. Mm. Hmm. But it was legal for them, and Richard, I'm sure, knows all about mm-hmm. this, it was re- it was legal for them if a student asked them a question about their faith, they right. could answer it. Right. And that led to a lot of great
0: discussions
1: mm. with, with kids about their faith. That's sweet. So that and my faith, I think, were overriding
0: mm-hmm. things
1: in, in all of my career in mm-hmm. education. And in, in fact, when I... When I got to Central, even before I was still principal, but really after I became uh, a director at Central Administration, every time the school district had some kind of formal meeting mm-hmm. where they had an agenda, like convocation when all the teachers came right. back to be in the school, uh, I would be the person they asked to pray.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and pretty soon they quit asking me. Mm-hmm. And just started putting my name on the program. Oh. (laughs) And I came to expect that. Right. But that wasn't a problem for me because I never prepared to pray.
0: Mm. You know,
1: when they put my name on the program, I just prayed from my heart.
0: Mm, That's Uh, sweet.
1: But that lasted until I left the district. Wow. Whatever it was. Wow. Uh, I I did. I'm sure some people got tired of me. but. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not at all. You know, I... I spent my last nine years at Heritage Christian Academy. Okay. Wasn't wasn't planned. When I retired Uh from Garland, I thought I was retired, but I didn't spend one day in retirement.
0: I I didn't didn't. realize you were there nine years. That's, wow, that's a long time. I I retired.
1: (laughs) uh, My retirement was officially July the 1st. By the end of May, I was working at
0: at Heritage
1: because it was in in a little bit of trouble. Uh, And so I went to work immediately. But that being said, I I I loved my time at heritage, but I love public school. Mm-hmm. And I believe like you do in, in pre-public education, quality public yes. education yes. for for everybody. Yes, yes. And so I have a great love for, yes. for public school. I have a great love for the Garland School, which are mm-hmm. having some tough times right now. Mm. Uh, but that love is is there and mm-hmm. never left me in it. When I, when I left Garland and came to Heritage, people asked me, well, was it a shock, the change that you saw? And I said, well, no, not really, mm-hmm. because I wasn't any different in Heritage Christian Academy right. than I was in Garland. I right. was the same person. I had the same beliefs. I did the same thing. Right. Uh, the only difference is at Heritage, I didn't have to mm-hmm. be quiet at certain times.
0: Yes. Uh, Yes.
1: But I was the same person. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a great a great transition. I had i practiced my faith wherever I was. Right.
0: Well, that's uh, and sweet. So
1: I didn't have a transition period. Right. At Heritage.
0: And probably the things that you did taking care of your teachers, you took care of your teachers wherever you were.
1: Wherever didn't, didn't <laughs> it didn't it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And I just was glad that my faith Mhm. Played through enough, and they respected me enough right. to ask me to pray. Yeah, you know, that's ask, sweet. Ask, they look look to me for Christian influence. I think. That's sweet.
0: So, what changes have you seen in education?
1: We probably don't have time to okay. mention all of them. <laughs> Just the top couple, <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, I think I think that probably the major thing is the lack of respect we see now of students for authority, students for their teachers, students for their principals. Uh, It's just almost gone. Right. Uh, When when I was, even when I was still a principal in the late 80s, uh, we still had that. But I could see it, kind of begin to see it changing. Uh, And then it started changing quickly. Mm -hmm. So that today, I don't think there's much respect there. Mm -hmm. Or... To, to authority, period. Right. Uh, the other thing that I saw was a real increase in discipline issues. Mm. Uh, they took they took the tools away from you for discipline kids. Mm-hmm. And a uh, kid learned the word attorney. Yes. And if you, if you disciplined a kid, a lot of times they would leave you saying, uh, my dad's going to sue you or my dad mm-hmm. going to have his attorney in here talk to you. Mm-hmm. And and I started seeing that more and more. Uh, I don't think it changed what I did because I didn't think what I did right. was wrong. Right, right. Uh, but the discipline till today, I think it's mostly out of control. I, I think education is is all about having good teachers Mm-hmm. In a classroom with the fewest amount of kids you can right. put there, yes. give them what they need, right, and then let them teach. I think that's that's what education was about, and I think that's what it should be about right. today. Now, there are a lot of great new programs that have come along that help, certainly, right. Right. but it still boils down to that, in, right. my, in my opinion. Right. So, I think... I think that's still there today, Uh but those good teachers have to deal with a whole lot more discipline kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and and parent kind of stuff than they used to. My career in education was extremely rewarding. I loved what I did Mm -hmm. and and, and the fact that at at a point early on, I knew that God was calling me to be in education. Mm. Had to make a decision, but I really had to make a decision between going into religious education, church, church-wise, because mm-hmm. I had done some of that, mm-hmm. uh, and and immersing myself in schools, and I and I really felt like God said, "No, you stay where you you mm-hmm. are," and that my schools were mission fields for me.
0: Absolutely, and,
1: you know that's not something I ever said out loud when I went to school, but right. it, but they were they were mm-hmm. mission fields, and and I chose that, and it's been the most wonderful career. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think of all the, the wonderful, great teachers mm-hmm. uh, that I've had, I just got myself so so lucky mm-hmm. to have been able to share share my faith with them mm-hmm. as we work together. But I don't know, why I'm rambling. No,
0: it. you're good. Uh,
1: but I, I think I think the fact that it, education paid me back, you know, it was so rewarding for mm-hmm. me uh, that i do it over again in a heartbeat. Yeah, it- I miss it.
0: Oh, yeah. And you probably did something for a child that your teacher did for you when your teacher said, you're going to make a great history teacher. You probably you probably did that for some kids, so there's no telling where that has gone.
1: I tried to do that. I tried uh-huh. to be an encourager to kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that only included uh, putting my arm around them mm-hmm. and patting them on the back, right. which, I, which I tried to do all the time. Right. Right. Uh, so so that, that to encourage kids was very important to me. Mm-hmm. To encourage teachers was very important right. to me. When a teacher was going through a hard time in their life with mm-hmm. family or mm-hmm. whatever, I just tried to support them and love on them and mm-hmm. uh, help them, but did that with students and teachers.
0: And an encourager he is. I was so encouraged by spending time with Dr. Taylor and I hope you have been too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kaval the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will subscribe, download, and share this on your social media pages, and with your family and friends. If you find yourself in a desperate place, it is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who have gone before you and shared their stories they have exemplified the meaning of Kavah, learning to wait during difficult times to find an eventual positive outcome. I can't express my gratitude for my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I would not be able to do this without you. For more information, please visit kavahthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.